I'm so glad to be in God's house on Christmas Eve, and I want to just take a few minutes today to talk about the incarnation, and uh, I know we got kids in the house today, there's no kids classes, and so I'm not going to take very long, but I want to talk today about the incarnation, and I want to talk today about a concept that I call good Christmas and bad Christmas. How many knows that, that Christmas brings out the best, and it also brings out the worst, it brings out the best of humanity, and it brings out the worst of humanity. It brings out the best of creativity, and it brings out the worst of creativity. And, and we, we see this in sweaters, the, these Christmas sweaters. That has got to stop. The, the ugly Christmas sweater thing has ran its course, and it needs to go. It had a good run, that 15 years where we did ugly Christmas sweaters, it was funny. I've had enough, because, and it's affecting other pieces of clothing. Now I see ugly Christmas sweatshirts. That's a thing this year. I've seen where 30-year-old women are dressing like 75-year-old women in ugly Christmas sweatshirts. That's bad Christmas right there. We see bad Christmas in our movies. There's good Christmas, there's It's a Wonderful Life, which in my opinion is the best Christmas movie in the history of Christmas movies. And then we have Home Alone 3, which is bad Christmas. It was unnecessary. We should have stopped at one. Home Alone 1 was perfect. Thank you. Thank you. We, we, we see bad Christmas and decorations. Y'all stop with the giant snowman inflatable in your front yard. Stop it. If Mary and Joseph saw that, they would weep and cry that what they went through has been wasted on inflatable snow figures and, and uh, Santa Clauses and and. All that good Christmas are Christmas lights. Well done, Christmas lights. I, I want to say, if, if you take the time to put Christmas lights on your house and it's well done, I commend you. We thank you. I'm not going to do it, but I thank you. Good Christmas is a, good, a great Christmas present. How many likes a great Christmas present? Bad Christmas is a bad Christmas present. And I'm, I'm just gonna ask you as your pastor, I kindly ask you, do not give my kids Legos. That will get you on the naughty list real quick. I do not have the ability to put them together. I don't have the patience to put them together. And it ruins the Christmas spirit in our house very quickly. So I, I kindly ask you, no Legos. But bad Christmas, uh, good, good Christmas is you, you get your kids a lot of great gifts and you see the joy in their face, and then you discover that all that stuff needs batteries. And you have to go to Dollar General before they close on Christmas Eve or on the day after Christmas, the first thing, because all you hear is, Daddy, have you got the batteries yet? Daddy, when are you going to get the batteries? And then you go and you get the batteries to discover that you got double A batteries, but you need 100 triple A batteries. That is bad Christmas. Good Christmas, we see it in our songs. Songs that 
you're in Menards and it comes on and it almost brings you to tears. Songs like, Oh Holy Night. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break for the slave is our brother. In his name all oppression shall cease. I mean, they don't make songs like that anymore. Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise his name forever. His power and glory evermore proclaim. And then the next song you hear at Menards is Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Walking home from our house Christmas Eve. You can say there's no such thing as Santa. Is anybody feeling the Holy Ghost yet? But as for me and my grandpa, we believe. She's been drinking too much eggnog. Which, by the way, that's bad Christmas too. Eggnog needs to go in Jesus' name. And we begged her not to go. Don't go, Grandma, but she forgot her medication. Aren't these lyrics just so deep? And she staggered out the door into the snow, and we found her on Christmas morning at the scene of the attack. She had hoof prints on her forehead and incrementing claws marks on her back. You hear those songs back to back at Christmas, and it shows the dichotomy of good Christmas and bad Christmas. Another good Christmas song, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love. Only to be followed by, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. Those two songs will be played back to back and you see good Christmas and bad Christmas and no, I will not desecrate the house of God by reading all of the lyrics to I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. My point today is this, is that this time of year, we can go from what Christmas is all about to absolute frivolity in a matter of seconds. And good Christmas is this, ultimately, is remembering the incarnation, God becoming man. That's what Christmas is all about. Bad Christmas is spending all of our time worried about decorations, parties, things that don't matter. The other day I was at the mall and I was looking around and seeing people scurrying about and I asked myself the question, what percentage of people do you think that Jesus even entered their mind in this Christmas season? And by the way, it is Christmas. I send Christmas cards, not holiday cards. I say Merry Christmas because that is what we're celebrating. We're not celebrating Santa Claus we're not celebrating the fact that it gets cold and snows. We are celebrating the fact that Jesus, that God became man and saved us from our sins. Can somebody preach with me today? And I believe that a, another bad Christmas tradition that needs to go is over-the-top materialism and busyness that distracts us from the true meaning of Christmas. And so in case you don't know, because 
we live in a society today that wants things that we took for granted need to be communicated. In case you don't know, the reason for Christmas is the incarnation. The doctrine of the incarnation is that God became man and he dwelt among us. And a verse in the Old Testament that beautifully communicates this is Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. It says, for unto us, everybody say, unto us, a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called, everybody say, wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. And of the increase of his government, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward and ever forever, even forever. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. I want you to see this. It says, unto us a child is born. Unto us has been given a gift. And that gift is God in the flesh. That is the greatest gift that you can receive that humanity has ever received. And our gift is meant to be a, a reminder and a reenactment. Every Christmas, we're to be reminded of this gift. Today, before we go to dinners, before we go open presents, we need to be reminded that the reason we give Christmas gifts, I want all the kids to hear me, in case you don't know this, the reason we give Christmas gifts is to reenact God giving us the gift of himself. And I'm trying to remind my kids that the presents are really about Jesus because we are reenacting what God has done for us. You know, giving is in the very nature of God. And you'll never be more like God when you give because he gave us the ultimate gift, and that is himself. J.I. Packer says this, the Christmas message rests on the staggering fact that the child in the manger was God. How many believe that today? That baby was God. That baby created everything that we see. That baby did it all. He did it all for us. That is what Christmas is all about. John 1:14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In other words, God moved in the neighborhood. God walked our streets. God talked to us. And then verse 16 says, And of the fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time except the only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father. He has declared him or he has showed him. Jesus said, when, when you have seen me, you have seen the father. You have seen all that God is. And we need to realize today that there was a time that no one had ever seen God. But when Jesus came, we saw the glory and we saw the power of God in human form. Somebody say amen today. Somebody thank him for that truth. The, re, the, the incarnation shows us that God truly loved us to make a way through Jesus. The incarnation shows us the love of God. Philippians 2, 
6 through 8 says, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Do you know that Jesus didn't have to come here? When we talk about God's only begotten son, there was only one plan for saving us, and that was Jesus. And I just want to be honest with you. If I, was, if I were God, I don't know if I would be willing to make that sacrifice, which is why I'm probably not God. To leave heaven and become part of the human experience and die for people who won't love you back, who won't appreciate you, I don't know if I would do that. But we serve a God. The incarnation shows us that God loves us because he made a way. Somebody thank him that there's a way. And the way has a name and it's Jesus. Life has a name and it's Jesus. Salvation has a name. And it's Jesus. And I know it's so often quoted, it's become cliche, but John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God so loved. Do you know that God loves the world? I gotta be honest with you, sometimes I don't love the world. Sometimes with, with all the craziness going on right now, like people are getting on my nerves more than ever. But God loves people. Jesus didn't come to protest us. He came to save us. He came to lift us up. Come on, I wish somebody today could lift up your hands and thank him for his love that he came for God's so love. The incarnation shows us the love of God that while we were yet sinners, Christ came and died for the ungodly. The idea that God could become one of us is something that almost all other religions reject. They reject the idea that there is a perfect, holy, transcendent God who could become one of us. And I'll never understand the mystery of Jesus. I'll never understand how someone could be 100% God, 100% man. But thank God he did it, and I believe it. I believe that that baby was God. Another implication of the doctrine of incarnation is that we serve a humble God. We serve a God that loves us and we serve a humble God. When he came here, he didn't come in a private jet and jump into a limousine and be ushered into the nicest house in the land. No, he came as a baby. He came as a poor person. He came as a person who experienced all the disadvantages that somebody can experience. We serve a humble God. He emptied himself of his divine rights and he came to be a servant. And man, we need more servants. We need more people, not to ask about my rights, but how can I serve you? And that's what the incarnation shows us. That's what Christmas shows us is that we serve a God who is a servant. And the reason we can serve him is because he served us first. And there's no sacrifice that's too great for our Jesus because he came and he did the most important act of servanthood 
that has ever been committed in the history of the world. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. We serve a sympathetic God. We serve a loving God. We serve a servant God, and we serve a sympathetic God. You see, the book of Hebrews tells us that we have a high priest today who can empathize with us and sympathize with us because he's experienced what we've experienced. He's experienced rejection. He's experienced hurt. He's experienced loss. There's nothing that you've gone through that Jesus can't relate to because he's experienced it too. And so we have a God who is sympathetic. Andreas Kostenberger says this, God was born as a baby, grew as a human being, and walked this earth as a man. This historical reality represents perhaps the greatest and strongest responses to the problem of evil. Rather than remaining aloof and distant, God entered our world of pain, frailty, vulnerability, suffering, and death. He walked along beside us in every way and endured the full fury of evil, oppression, and injustice. When we suffer, when we have to watch those who we love suffer, we do so knowing that God suffered alongside us and our behalf in order to rescue us from suffering and provide an eternal home with no tears, no death, no crying, or no pain. The reason why we can sing and the reason why we can lift up our hands and the reason why we know that death is not the end is because of a little baby in Bethlehem. And that is the greatest gift. Fourth thing the incarnation shows us is the presence of God. Does anybody feel Jesus here today? Does anybody feel the presence of God here today? That's because of the incarnation. We can feel God's presence like people before Jesus could not feel him because he came. The reason why Pentecost happened, the reason why the Holy Spirit was sent is because Jesus had to come first. And when we feel the presence of God, he said, I will send you another comforter who you already know, speaking of himself. We, I believe today that that baby that was born in Bethlehem, his presence is in this house today. And that in the worst day of my life, I can still feel the presence and the power of God because of the incarnation. Because he sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Ghost the Holy Spirit coming and all of the things that we do on a normal Sunday around here all goes back to a baby being born in Bethlehem. The incarnation shows us the faithfulness of God. God is faithful. You see, there were prophecies in the Old Testament that this day would come. For unto us, Isaiah said, several hundred years before the fact, for unto us a child is born, speaking prophetically, there are prophetic scriptures that he would be born to a virgin. There were prophetic scriptures about the exact place that he would be born. And God is faithful to perform his word. And I want to encourage somebody, that the faithfulness of God seen in his first coming will be seen again in his second coming. Now's not the time to get up, give up. Now's not the time to get discouraged. Now's not the time to let go of your faith. Jesus is coming back. 
He came the first time as a baby, but the second time he's coming as a roaring lion full of victory. And he will defeat all injustice, depression. He will defeat all depression, discouragement. He will defeat all disease. He will defeat all poverty. He will defeat all terror. He will defeat everything that we see evil in the world. Jesus is coming back. And if you believe that today, I wonder if somebody can thank God for the incarnation that God became one of us. As we sung about earlier, all my life, you've been faithful. I haven't been faithful. You've been faithful, God. God keeps his covenant. And that is why a baby was born in Bethlehem. God is faithful. God said, I will come. God said in Genesis that I'm going to tread my feet over the head of the serpent. God said all throughout the Old Testament, the whole Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. The whole New Testament is pointing back to Jesus. The whole Old Testament is pointing towards the incarnation. Everything we read in our New Testament is pointing back to the incarnation. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for the blood. When we talk about the blood, we're talking about the blood of a real human being. He wasn't kind of human. He wasn't a certain percentage of human. He didn't just look human. Any doctrine that teaches that is absolute heresy. Jesus was 100% human, 100% God. He wasn't Jehovah Junior. He wasn't kind of God. He was 100%. How many believes that Jesus is the mighty God? Jesus is the everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Lord of Lords. God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. He is faithful to keep his promises. And when he says something, he will do it. The incarnation sets into motion our hope for eternity found in Jesus. Jesus did not deserve death. We deserve death. But that baby came and grew up as a man who lived a completely sinless life. Come on today, I'm, I'm preaching the gospel. How many love the gospel? This is the gospel. The, the gospel isn't you're gonna get a bigger house this year. The gospel isn't 2024. It'd be easy for me to stand up and say 2024 is gonna be the best year of your life. 2024 might be the worst year of some of your lives. But the incarnation shows us that there's hope in 2024. The incarnation shows us whatever I go through, he will be with me and he will be faithful. And lastly, the incarnation shows the power of God. Mary was supernaturally, she supernaturally conceived. You can't explain that. You've got to accept it by faith. That that baby was conceived by the power of God. And it was God breaking into our world and breaking all the rules so that we can get to know him. If we could just stand to our feet all over this place right now. Look at that, 11 o'clock on the dot. I kept my promise today. And here's what I want us to do. Just for the next couple minutes, we're gonna sing one more song. Can we think about Jesus? 
Can we focus on his love, his power, his grace that was given to us? I want to tell you today, Jesus isn't just a theory. He's not just a theological idea. He's a reality. Jesus is real. I want to tell you, if you reach out to him, if you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. I don't know what you're going through this Christmas. Maybe you lost somebody at your Christmas table this year. They're not going to be there. Maybe, as Julie said earlier, 2023 was a horrible year for you, and you are just walked in here today beat up, tired, just need a little bit of hope. Well, I want to tell you, there's hope. And it came in the form of a baby. And here's what you need to do. You need to let that baby grow up in your life. And listen to the words that that baby spoke. And it will change your life. You see, that, that baby said, you must be born again. You must be born of the water and the spirit. You have to have a born again experience. And I want to tell you, I don't know what you're getting tomorrow. But it won't top that. And I, and I don't say this self-righteously. Please understand what I, I don't say this self-righteously. The other day at the mall, looking at those people, the thought came to mind, how many of them even know about Jesus? And how, how many of them even know about the Holy Spirit? Even know about the Holy Ghost? even know that there's this experience, there's this water that you can drink of and you'll never, ever thirst again. And his name's Jesus. And he loves us. He's for us. He's not against us. Thank you, Jesus. I wonder if we could lift up our hands all over the house. Lord, I pray. <clears throat> Lord, we want your presence in our life, God. Lord, I pray as we leave this place today, God, we would take your presence with us to the dinner table, to the parties, to get-togethers. Lord, and I pray you would change us today, God. Lord, I pray you would be incarnated in our hearts. Duplicate what happened 2,000 years ago in our life, in our church. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. A Merry Christmas. Let's sing this song. And as we sing, can we worship him before we leave today? How many wants Jesus to be?